0: Hey, recording live, the newest episode of Mindset Moves Podcast, exclusively for you, the members of The Minimalist Method for Prosperous Female Entrepreneurs. I love helping other people to not have to go through some of the tests and trials that I did if possible this is where you get the first dibs of the best business strategies ever so you can grow your revenue while minimalizing your time, your efforts, and your energy.
1: There's great coaches, there's people in this field. So yeah, you want them on your
0: team. We're live with the newest raw and real recording of Mindset Moves Podcast, formerly known as of the Minimalist Podcast. We've rebranded. Very exciting. Heather here gets to be one of our um, very first guests on the new branding of the show. I'm going to turn down my volume here. And you guys know if you're watching, if you're following, if you're listening, that I love to talk about your story and when you've been through something that could be defining as something that it was a horrible time in your life and how God sometimes turns it into such a beautiful lesson of love and forgiveness and grace and you're gonna feel inspired by hearing Heather's story on how you can follow your God-given purpose because you remember I talk a lot about manifestation, but the key is if it's on your heart, It's because God put it there. So as you're doing the things to manifest, it's actually you following God's plan for you um, and tuning into what he had in mind for your path all along. But I'm not going to keep going on. I'm going to let Heather introduce herself, tell you her story. And I think you might want to get the tissues ready because you're going to tear up. Thank
1: you so much, Marta. You are an inspiration to so many, so it's an honor to be on here with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, like Marna said, my name is Heather Kittleson and I currently reside in Southwestern Minnesota. I work full-time in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at a very large nonprofit as the foundation director for my full-time gig, um, but I am a mother of four three little girls and a 15 year old son. And then I have a husband, Amos, who um, he also is a businessman and owns a technology business. And um, we are getting ready to start our own nonprofit, which is really exciting that we're in the process of doing all of, there's so much paperwork. There's 501c3 is stuff, is in, it's insane. Um, but we also started a podcast called Fortitude and um, that has been my most recent joy that I, Amos and I are just having such a blast um, producing Fortitude. We had a donor that said, here's money, go build a podcast studio. I believe in what you're doing. I, I want to be a part of it. So that was a a big like blinky light. Like you're doing exactly what I've called you to do when, when someone hands you a big check and without asking, I love that, especially because my full-time job is asking people for money. I didn't even have to ask for that one um but the the story or my testimony it it goes back to December 5th of 2019 even about a year and a half prior to that when we had our last little girl um Evelyn who is now 4 but um after we had Evelyn I had developed postpartum depression and even with all of our other kids like this is the fourth and I think I am a baby making machine. Like I popped these babies out. I've never had any issues with infertility. I had so many friends that did. So I was, I felt so blessed that I had never gone through postpartum depression or, um, just had any trouble with any of my pregnancies. So after Evelyn, um, when I all of a sudden felt numb and I couldn't function and I was getting, um, I was getting really scared because I grew up with three older brothers. I was very much a, just a tomboy, very even keel, not a lot of ups and downs. My emotions were always pretty steady. And so come uh, 2018, when Evelyn was born, I was like, I I can't feel happiness. I can't feel sadness. I can't feel anything. And so I tapped into my generational alcoholism, which um, was probably the most um, it's just the worst it's the worst thing that you can do when you're going through any type of anxiety it's like putting fuel um on a fire so i always knew as i was growing up i always knew that i had the genetics of my grandmother and grandpa who also died from alcoholism and my dad comes from a family of eight and um it's it just it's rampant i mean marta it's like it's so It was so sad growing up watching all of these individuals that I love so much just destroying their life with alcohol but it's what we did it's all we knew Um, every family function every um, I guess any reunions anything we had we just we drank and um, I remember hearing from my cousins multiple times and from other aunts and just this disease has me like I'm this is just what it is this is just how I how I live and I'd hear from my cousins say like I just I wish my mom or I wish my dad wasn't even here because all they ever do is ruin family functions and birthdays and all the things they come drunk they're always drunk. And when I started to recognize that in myself as a professional and as a mom and as a wife um when I found myself literally living my life around alcohol drinking vodka straight from the bottle um it really scared me. It scared me so bad. And um, I, let's just say, I had a lot of moments in the mirror where I would look at myself and I would see, I would vividly see my aunts, who Mm. I remembered looking back or looking at them and thinking, wow, they're like, they're like, they're walking, they're beautiful, beautiful people, but their physical body has been, has been transformed by this poison.
0: And can you you tell me a little bit about like what that looked like revolving your life around alcohol? Oh, yes. Every, I don't
1: know, every couple minutes, every five minutes, once I was actively in my disease, I thought about it. I was planning my next drink. I was planning the next place I was going to stop to pick it up. Um, I would plan my schedule
0: around it. I would play, like my job, my kids, my everything. Um, so you, like fun- you, what is the terminology, like a functioning alcoholic, like you'd go to work and, and so you, did, were you thinking, I don't have a problem because I'm going to work and I'm not drinking at work. I'm not going to work drunk or were you going? I, what did that look like? Um, so
1: use in the process of the insanity of alcoholism, you actually do save a little bit in your bottle because because the withdrawals that you go through are so intense in the morning that you almost have to take a shot or a drink of something to stop yourself from like convulsing. It's Mm -hmm. it's scary. Like this shit. It's an addiction. It's it's a disease. It's a it's a poison. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And when your body is needing it to function, I was at that place. So I wouldn't say I was working only, um, part-time as the foundation director at Volunteers America at the time. So I could literally plan my schedule around it. And then I was helping my husband out with his technology business as well. But so there were, there were mornings, yes, that I would, but most, most of them was, I was, I was going to be home for the day working from home or, um, I was so strategic. I really like the manipulation and the, the strategy that went into it. Um, I, I, I I volunteer at the prison and the reason I do is because there's no difference in me and them. I just never got caught. Mm
0: -hmm. I drank
1: behind. I, I drove, I had a bottle under my front seat. Mm
0: -hmm. Like it
1: scares me so much to think about how many people are out driving around in the mornings, in the afternoons.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm sure you thank God every day for keeping you guys safe. Every day. Yeah.
1: I am so my, my grateful bucket never runs dry. (laughs) Like, I'm so grateful that my kids are all safe. My husband's safe. I'm safe. Um, You know, that last, that last year, so to just kind of go looking back now, I can spot it from a mile away when I see other people that are struggling with it, or I see people in parking lots, or I see people um, with the glass, glossy eyes or the shaking of the hands. And,
0: um, it just it, breaks. the a smell sometimes too, right? Like the, not just the alcohol smell, but there's like a certain smell to them. Like your body is perspiring it because it is a toxin. Cause I know, I notice even when I have a glass of wine the next day, I have, I'm sorry guys, TMI, but that's, I But there is a smell that, that mm-hmm. transpires out. It's in, it's in your pores. Yes, I mean, it's- exactly. Right. It's in your pores. And there's just more BL. There is. There
1: is. I'm all about getting real too. Yes, that yeah. is. definitely. A thing. Um, you know, I, when I uh, think back to even my husband saying like, gosh, you, you smell like alcohol, but you say you're not drinking. And mm-hmm. he really thought that I just was so deep in the postpartum depression that it was like, I was making him go a little bit crazy, which makes me even more sad about the situation because he was looking up um why would my wife or like why does why does she smell a little bit like alcohol but she says she's not drinking well I guess your your body if you look it up it has an auto brewery system where if you're not eating it will actually kick in and like do these crazy things to and it's it's like it produces its own brew system I don't he has all the terminology he's a he's a techie dude so he he was like well maybe that's just it because she's not eating yeah right yeah. So I had had enough. I was, I, I couldn't keep up anymore. It had gotten to the point where <clears throat> I had lost probably 20 pounds. I'm 130 pounds. So I lost 20 pounds. Um, I was a walking corpse. Mm-hmm. I was, I was actually puking blood when I was mm-hmm. dry. heating, And, um, so I knew physically that my body was starting to shut down. And that really scared me. And um, I kept, I remember running around the house like pacing and I, it was three, 3 a.m. I know people have this whole 3 a.m. thing where God wakes them up or the devil wakes them up and they have anxiety. Well, I would have that at 3 a.m. Quite often.
0: And there were times that I was so like fearful. a depressant too, hmm? or you're depressed, the more you drink, but the more you drink, the more you're depressed, the more you're anxious because it's not, it's, it's a depressant
1: it is such a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. It is very much. And you're like, well, I can't I cause I would get to the place where I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. So I go and I, um, you can't go outside in the winter here, which, cause it's, I'm in Minnesota. Right. So like, it's 12 degrees right now, but.
0: Right. Uh, oh man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> know.
1: You know, there's so much <laughs> snow out there, Marta. So much
0: I snow. Yeah, we are we're like, oh, it's like 30 degrees, but you know, it's still cold here, but all right. I feel for you. Okay.
1: Yeah, we have like six, <laughs> seven, <Go ahead>. eight <laughs>
0: tall piles of
1: snow outside my window. Oh my gosh. But I'm sure so I- we, um, we ended up or what I would do, sorry, is I'd go outside and I would literally scream like, Abba father, where are you? Why, mm. why can I not stop this this craziness, like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna drink tomorrow. I mean, every one of us alcoholics say this: I will not drink tomorrow. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. And then you're finding yourself driving into a Casey's or a liquor store or somewhere to just fulfill this emptiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so December fifth, I, uh, my two oldest kids took off, and my two youngest went with my husband to daycare, and I decided that was the day. Granted, leading up to December fifth. I had been making up my mind that I was going to take my life Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: I was not going to put my kids and my husband through the pain and the suffering that I witnessed my family, my extended family and cousins go through. Mm -hmm. I thought they will be so much better off. My husband won't have to deal with this drunken mess of a wife. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was getting ready to leave, to go to the liquor store, to buy, two to three bottles of vodka, and I had prescription pills set aside. Mm. And when Amos came walking back through the door that morning, I was first off, I was stunned, but I was irate because I thought, what, what are you like? Why are you here? What are you doing here? And he's, he said, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I got halfway to work and a huge, I had a huge feeling that I needed to come work from home today. He said, mm. "So I don't know what's going on, but I'm working from home. And when mm. you're ready to talk, let me know." And oh so,
0: God, you know, literally, that was God. Completely.
1: Yeah, it was a divine intervention because when I look, when I fast forward to today and I look back to that, I'm like, there were so many moments where God spared my life. I mean, times. So many times he spared my life, but that was, that was a moment of gosh, darn it, Heather. Like, I am not done with you. I have, you have so much work to do on this earth for me. And, um, I'm just grateful. My husband's obedient. He's so obedient and, and it always has been
0: really God. Like I have so much work to do, you know, <laughs> he just felt it and he prioritized it. Whatever God was not like him. Yeah
1: not like him. He is, he owns his own business. So to be at the office for his team is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he called my good friend, Kate and Kate uh, dropped everything. She's, she's what I consider kind of my earthly angel. She came and she crawled into bed with me and she simply said, Um, Heather, it's time. It's time for um, you to get better. And so I, I had to let it all out. I went out in the living room and I sat with Amos and I sat with Kate and I poured my heart out. I, and you want to talk about, uh, just a weird kind of a, um, relief. Cause I was so relieved and yet I was so confused as to what direction I was going to go next. I was scared. Like this, this pot of emotions that was spinning that morning was like, finally, all these lies and all the betrayal and all the manipulation that I have been holding, which is also a big piece of the mindset and how that kills us. Like the, that rots us from the inside out when we have to hold in those lies and the betrayal. And, um, we're, we're constantly looking over on our shoulders. So we're on eggshells as to like, Oh, where'd I leave that bottle? Oh, what did I say last night? Oh, what did I do? So the, the piece of alcoholism with the shame and all the lie, all that stuff is really, um,
0: that's There's so a whole much head thing. Trash around it so much head clutter of trying to remember all the lies and then feeling ashamed every time you say the lie and then trying to rationalize while you're lying right mm-hmm. and then pretending
1: that you're not pretending that you're
0: just fine
1: mm-hmm. pretending because I mean I could go out into the community and my best friends didn't even know Marta I go when I after that day on the so that was December 5th from December 5th to December 17th I actually confronted many, many people, many, my, my boss, I confronted, um, who is another earthly angel is my boss at the nonprofit that I work for. Um, but I went back to many, a handful of all my like inner circle people and they, they all were stunned. They're like, Heather, we had no idea. Like we knew something was wrong, but we thought like, we just chalked it up with, you have four little kids and you're trying to function. Like life is just busy. Right. And little did they know that I just about took my life on December 5th, which is another reason I'm all about educating and advocating now for the the Heathers on December 5th, mm. because we have to be able to reach them and ask the right questions. Mm. And um, there's so many things that I look back and go, gosh, if someone would have maybe asked me this, or if somebody would have poked what me, could they,
0: what back, could they have asked you? Even
1: just, um, hey, I've, I've noticed that you're, you're just, you're, you're a little off. You're just a little off and I love you so much. And so I'm just wondering if there's anything that
0: anything I can do for you today. There's that key there. I love that you said that because oftentimes we're like, well, we don't know how to approach it. That would be awkward. I don't want to offend her. I don't want to assume, but when you start a sentence with, because you're one of the most important people of my life, because I love you so much because you're so important to me. I feel I have to ask this. And so it's like, it comes from a place of love and not judgment.
1: A thousand percent. And I would have, and there was one friend who actually, who did, um, she came over and I was sitting at a restaurant working and she's like, Hey, are you okay? Like, I'm a little bit concerned about you. And I lost it, Marta. Like I just lost it. I didn't get into the depth. Yeah. But when you're hurting as bad as I was hurting, you can't hold it in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did, I held it, but when you have someone you love and really understands you ask that and look you straight in the eye, it's like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I lied. I chalked it up to the kids and all the things I didn't mention the alcohol piece. Cause that's, that was where the real shame. Um,
0: and this part of you also afraid j- j- this is fresh in my mind, just because of some uh, documents that I was reviewing for mm-hmm. certification I had to get, but is part of you like thinking if they're, they they could take my kids away if oh. i am if i tell anybody this they could say that that i'm not fit to be a mother and they could take my kids away
1: I could lose my job my mm-hmm. husband could leave me mm-hmm. nobody's want to gonna want to be around me i'm a complete mess right but not anymore and i know you have a heart stop at 8 so i want to quick just mention that um you know through all of that really uncomfortable icky stuff it just got more uncomfortable and more awesome so i'm a i'm a huge advocate for stepping into uncomfortable after going through something like that and being to reveal this person now that god because i believe that our god given purpose lives in us it's it's there god's planted that from from the very very beginning and it's just a matter of us activating that and i I stunned it. I I literally put it on pause until I was 40 years old because I was doing what I thought. I just only thing I knew, which was to drink, to be average, to live life, just kind of just the way everyone, you know, the way people do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I cannot say enough how grateful I am that I have a husband who's, who has learned it. Like he loves to listen. He loves to learn. He loves to continue to grow and, um, new things, new past, like if something's not working, fix it. If something's not like, I don't really enjoy being around this person. Well, learn about boundaries, figure out how to place healthy boundaries around yourself so that you can be the best version of you. And I never really understood that. I wasn't taught that. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are, I don't think there's a lot of, and and again, I know there's not because I'll hear it all the time. I just didn't know. Well, we don't, we can't do better unless we know better. And so in order to know better, we have to teach ourselves. We have to teach each other. We have, they're, gosh, there's just, like, I feel like God ignited this. He has, he's ignited this passion and I have a blowtorch under my butt. Like I just, every morning when my feet hit the floor, I feel like the devil's got to run. Like you better run, dude. Cause I am all in on living just there's way, there's so much work to be done mm-hmm. here on earth and with all the divide and all the things that are going on it's like I just want to be able to help people understand the simplicity of taking care of yourself first because I never did I never took care of Heather which led me to almost committing to, to almost taking my life yeah and for what like I look at my kids now and I cannot imagine having- not having mother having me, you know, like the love and the joy and my husband and I have every day, we're working on our relationship, working on our community, our community around us, our friends. Um, We just, I want to speak into people's life and I want to help ignite that God-given purpose. And so that's why I'm starting to throw events. I'm doing events. We have our podcast. We I'm starting speaking. I have four or five different keynote speaking engagements this year. And I just
0: I love it. I love uh, it. I, can't, uh, I can't get more of it. I have to have you back as a guest. For now, we do have to stop. Yeah. But I know that there's so much more to the story. And I can't wait to have you back. So if you want to learn more about Heather's journey, what she's up to now, about her speaking engagements, her events, and if you'd like to book her, uh, we're going to have the link in. Whatever the show notes, the captions, whatever platform you're watching or listening this um, on, so that way you can find her, you can ask her to come and and inspire others around you. I know I teared up. Please tell us how you felt about this. Uh, We've got uh, a couple questions in the comments, which Heather and I will address later on. In whatever platform that this is shared, and until next time, guys, thanks for watching. Thank you for
1: having me. Bye bye.